Trudy Morgan Cole, and you're listening to another episode of Shelf Esteem, the podcast where I talk with interesting people about books that they find interesting. This is the October 2022 episode. There was no episode last month in September because I was on vacation, out of the country, totally relaxing, not even thinking about posting a podcast. But this month I am back for you with another one of the book swap episodes that I did with my beautiful and brilliant daughter, Emma Cole, where once again, we each read a book that the other recommended. Sometimes there's a common thread between these books. Sometimes, as in this case, the common thread is just oh my goodness, those titles are awfully confusing. And uh, after getting mixed up on the titles of these two books, we decided to each read each other's recommendation and have the following conversation, which I really hope you enjoy just as much as we did. So Emma, I feel like we should start by talking about how we ended up book swapping these two how books. How we encountered yes. these books. First, we should say what the books are. So the books are called The Invisible Husbands of Addie Hugo. <laughs> or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, so I read... Um, at Emma's recommendation, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yes, The Things of Woman. Yes. And I read The Other Things of Woman, uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. So I feel like we um, started out with these books with a misunderstanding and getting them confused, right? Yes, because you... I think you recommend... I don't remember, but I definitely thought that The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo was the plot of The Invisible Life of Evelyn Yes. Because I'd heard people kind of talking about them in passing and I think you described the plot of Addie LaRue to me at one point and then someone else brought up The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and I said is that the one with the yeah yeah because I had read Addie LaRue and I was like oh I recommended this to you Emma would like might like this uh, and then you said to me, guess what book my book club is doing? The one that you've been talking the about. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And I was like, I've never read that. Yeah. And then we realized that the two titles were confusingly similar. Yes. But because of that, mm-hmm. okay, so to back up a little bit, The Invisible Lives of Addie LaRue is part of a sub, 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 sub genre mm-hmm. that I have read a lot of and really like some of and not so much others, where a person is either living repeated lives over and over or can't die and is living way past you know normal lifespan uh so like life after life by kate atkinson how to stop time by matt haig uh the first 15 lives of harry august another similar title by Mm -hmm. i think it's claire north there's a whole bunch of them yeah and so i assumed that the seven husbands of evelyn hugo was somehow going to be in that same genre. But it's not. Different. Different genre. It's just literally about a woman with... Seven husbands. Seven husbands. Yes. Um, Yeah, and we read Seven Husbands for my book club that we did with the English Society at Acadia, which, by the way, the theme was supposed to be rom-coms, and I suggested a book, I nominated a book that was a rom-com, but it did not receive enough votes, and this one did, and I wouldn't classify it as a rom-com, but, you know, we did it in February. That was the point of it. Oh, for for romance. Oh, yeah, I definitely would not classify this as a rom-com. No. Uh, What was the one you recommended? Um, Red, White, and Royal Blue, because I was like, what's a big rom-com yes it's romantic it's a comedy yes yes absolutely so i mean i'm glad that we read it but i just had to say don't think it fit the brief no i don't think i would not call this a rom-com it is not a multiple or repeated lives story but it is also very much not a Mm rom-com it is a it is a fictional celebrity memoir about a fictional celebrity yeah but it is framed interestingly yes it is the kind of one of the things i want to talk about with the book is how you, what you thought of the fact that it was within this framing of, for those who don't know, 
of the the person who is selected kind of out of the blue to write this memoir for this very famous woman, Evelyn Hugo. Yes. And so it's told through the eyes and the words of the the memoirist, mm-hmm. and then you get chapters which are supposedly what Evelyn is saying or verbatim what is getting written down as part of this yes. memoir. Yeah. Um, but then it turns out that the the writer, her life does intersect with Evelyn Hugo's in a yes, way, which is yeah. why she was chosen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, tell me what you thought of it. So, I really enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we don't, more, we don't need to give much more plot summary than just what you said, yeah. except to say that Evelyn Hugo is a sort of golden age Hollywood actress. Yeah, had superstar. like decades of careers and like various comebacks and yeah. resurgences. And the, is, somewhat yeah. Elizabeth Taylor-esque, yeah, I think, with yeah. the seven, with the multiple Definitely, marriages yeah. and the this sort of almost her persona being bigger than herself as, yeah. as an actual actress. Um but yeah, it does have this really interesting framing device where this journalist who is pretty much a nobody yeah, yeah. gets gets this gig, uh, which is supposed to be to write a feature article interview with yes, her, Yes, and right? she has to covertly write a memoir, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And Evelyn Hugo basically says, no, the deal is you're going to write a memoir for me. And so mm-hmm. the girl who's, what's her name? Frankie? Like, is that it? Uh, Monique. 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 I, I feel like... Here's the thing. I feel like the boss's name is Frankie. There's someone in the novel, maybe called Francesco there's, there's or Frankie. There's so many characters in this yeah. book. There's bound to be a Frankie. Yeah. Um. But yes, it's Monique is the is the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess Evelyn is the main character. Well, Monique, but that's the thing. It's who like, is the main? Who character? is the main character? I just have to say the boss, who is the first person to speak, is called Frankie. Okay. So that's there where you my go. Confusion that's absolutely from. justified. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Monique is uh is told by Evelyn. I you know what I actually want is for you to write my memoir. Uh, I'm going to tell it all to you, so it has this kind of oral history feel. Um, and then uh, Monique has to kind of lie to Frankie and, mm-hmm. and pretend that they're still going to produce the newspaper story, the magazine story, but what she's actually doing is writing the true story of all Evelyn's romances yeah. and marriages. Yeah. And I, I, the thing is that I definitely found Evelyn's story itself very compelling. Yes. It's yeah. very strong. It's but You understand, like, the cultural references that are like, like Elizabeth Taylor, like, we get mm-hmm. this archetype, but then it is subverted in these really interesting ways that makes you think about the idea of celebrity and self-creation and self-invention in like very very powerful ways and yet it is framed with this narrator who i don't really care for very much oh really like not in a way that i disliked her but i was like i don't know i didn't feel like her part of the novel was justified enough it's not, I feel like she's not super well developed herself no, as a character. No, which... We find out a little bit about her. We find out that she's just been through a divorce. Yeah. But she's so peripheral, you know. The, so peripheral Maybe that, because Evelyn is such a larger-than-life character. But, like, part of me thinks, but maybe I would be wrong, part of me thinks that it would have been a stronger novel if it was just Evelyn's story. Hmm. Or, like, if somehow we weren't made to care so much about Monique. Like, it feels like we're, the author's trying really hard to make Monique an equal or important part of it, but it just yeah. never pays off for me. Like, the kind of big reveal of the book where we see how Monique's life intersects with Evelyn's, Um, uh, I didn't... It felt really kind of shoehorned in there. Okay, now we're going to have a difference of opinion okay, here, okay. I think. And I think we do have to give a spoiler warning and just yeah. talk about what it is. Yeah. Uh, because it's really hard to discuss if 
if you can't if we can't say what it is yeah. so this is one of these that yes we are now you know if if you uh want to read this book and don't want to spoil it pause, pause read it yeah. come back or yes or skip the next few minutes yeah. of the podcast um so yeah i often have the experience with a book where it's building up to a big reveal. It's building up to a big reveal. You're going to be shocked when you discover the yeah. big reveal. It's so shocking. I was like, is she an illegitimate daughter of yes, Evelyn's yeah, or something? Yeah. yeah. And quite often in, in a book, I have the experience that when I get the big reveal, it's like, oh, that wasn't that big a deal. But to the, to me, this one was. Yeah. I thought it fully justified. Okay. Um, so the spoiler is... One of the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, the one she, I guess, people looked at as her true love or whatever, yeah. the one she was had the deepest relationship, was actually a gay man. Mm. And uh, they were kind of covering for each other because Evelyn, another big spoiler, is actually in love with a woman. And they have this lovely foursome for years with her and her husband and her partner and his partner. And they kind of cover for each other and have yeah. a very close friendship. And then quite a while later after that marriage has sort of gone, they've gone yeah. their separate ways and, and she's moved on. Um, the guy that she was married to mm -hmm. is, he's in a car accident with another man, right? Yeah. And it's obvious that he and the other man are intimate and Evelyn, I believe she's there, she's on the scene. Or she like shows up and covers for them. She covers for them and she makes it appear that the guy who died was driving. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that, um, I think she's somehow culpable in his death because I don't think he's actually dead at the scene. Oh, maybe she like didn't call the cops. I or something. something that we'd have to go back and reread it. So this is not so much a spoiler <laughs> as two people trying to remember <laughs> the key moments of a book we read a couple of months ago. Well, I'm she pretty sure is culpable she, in this guy's She death. shows up. She makes it look like he was the one that was driving, and then I'm pretty sure she doesn't call the police, or she waits a while to call the police. Yes, and and it turns out that the dead guy, who is dead mostly because of Evelyn's interference in the scene, is Monique's father. Yes. Which who she, we knew her father was dead, but not and that he worked in Hollywood in a very peripheral way, like yeah. a cameraman or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the fact that you know he was the gay lover of this this other Hollywood star, and that uh, yeah, basically his death was I think pretty much preventable or oh, avoidable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought that reveal was worth it. Mm -hmm. I thought that justified why Evelyn felt such a sense of guilt and obligation to Monique and why she felt like she had to give Monique the story. Yeah, I think, I guess it's all right. It's not as bad as I remember. I feel like when I was thinking about it, I forgot the part that Monique's dad and Harry, I think his yeah. name was, were like dating. Yes, I thought yeah. it was just that she had like killed him in a car accident or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like... Yeah, it's a little more justified when you think about how it ties in the idea of, like, you know, none of us really know celebrities, but also do we even know the people that we thought we knew yes, really well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this idea that, like, not just celebrities have secret lives and, and you know, skeletons in the closet, but, like, everybody even ordinary does. people yeah. do, too, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I really liked all the stuff, I mean, in, in a very sad way, about these closeted gay people with I their, know, you know, it was so, so, so heartbreaking. Sad. Yeah, uh, that, that and of course very real to the time yeah. that you know there were so many real Hollywood celebrities who had to hide their relationships with same-sex partners and mm -hmm. lie about who they were and who they were in love with. Um, so that part I did find. Um, yeah, I found that poignant and believable. It still didn't make Monique herself that fascinating of a character yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. 
but it it the, the reveal for me did pay off. Yeah, so. I think the the core of the novel is Evelyn's memoir and her story, and I thought that was the strongest part of it. Yes, and that was yeah. really really good, which is yeah, yeah I thought that positive. worked very well. Um, so I found this, yeah, this was this was a really engaging read. I read it, and it only took me a few days. Mm-hmm. I was reading it um, on warm summer days at the mm-hmm. cabin, which I like. Um, and it it definitely kept my attention. It yeah. kept me engaged. Now, I have two questions for you about the book, and it has okay. been a while since you read it, so no, yes, no yeah. worries um, if you don't have a great answer. But I think these came up in our book club, were mm-hmm. these questions. So... Um, Evelyn pretty much narrates everything in the first person, and we see it in the first person. Yes. In her, for the most part, I think. Yes. But then when she gets to that one part, and I can't remember his name, but the guy that she just has, like, the one-night marriage with in Vegas while she's still with her her wife, essentially, to, like, throw people off. Right. That's narrated in the second person. Like, as Evelyn is talking, she says, and if you were in this position, you would do this, and then maybe you do this, and then you have to do this. Okay. So this is the chapter that starts, the first thing you need to do to get a man to elope with you is to challenge him to go to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the whole thing is told. It actually starts in first person. I wore yeah. a cream-colored cocktail dress with heavy gold beading and a plunging neckline. I pulled my long blonde hair into a high ponytail. I wore diamond earrings. And then she narrates the whole rest of their basically one-night marriage Yeah. to... Um, she it, she does it all in, in second person. Yeah, and I think and it's the only place in the book she's... The only place she does that, and definitely for that much, for that yeah. long of time. Um, and because this is the thing that kind of... Like, she and Celia, that's the name of her yes, wife, yeah. much, have kind of, like, a good thing going, but then she wants to throw people off, so she does this, and this creates a really big rift between them, yes. because Celia didn't think that she was going to go so far, far as to sleep with Mick, Yeah, and it creates, like, a whole thing. Yeah, and I, I was confusing with the later thing, because she has another thing that Celia gets really angry with yeah. her about that causes a much longer and yeah, deeper yeah. rift between them. Um, when she's with the French film director guy and, and, yeah, but, um, yeah, that, that whole thing with the quickie Vegas marriage being in second person is interesting. It it? is. Yeah. And it's so interesting that an author who's normally writing in a, like, I don't consider Taylor Jenkins read a really, um, super literary or experimental author. Like she's, she is playing around with the framing of the story a bit, but it's pretty straightforward in terms of language and how she tells it. And so slipping into second person there, like what I get out of that is a person who's been telling their story in first person who suddenly starts telling it in second person. I feel like they're distancing. That's exactly what I said too. It's like, cause she is, this is kind of like, airing of grievances and also like confessing of sins like she says this at the beginning like i'm gonna try to be as impartial i did some really bad things but i'm also not a horrible person it's a mixed bag but like i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything that i did or at least not try to but then this is the thing that she really tries to distance herself from even though it's not the worst thing she did really but clearly this is something that i guess even for her she maybe still hasn't reconciled with completely yes and showing that like she is still a living thinking person who is still coming to terms with her whole life yeah even though she's trying to present it in this kind of final complete kind of way i feel like you know what you get about evelyn hugo is all these men she was married to like the one person she really loved was celia that was her one true love but all the men she was married to except this guy like she was always using sex for uh, for power, for safety, yeah. for security, for advancement, for different reasons. But she always had some kind of feeling yeah, for them. Yeah, like there was always some kind of 
organic yeah. component to the relationship. Like a romantic or a yeah. f- friendship or some kind of Where, Or like they like the guy she dated later, even though she hated him, she was like a, a director that had directed her before yes, that yeah. she did admire. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Mick was the one that was like completely calculated, 100%. Yes, yeah. And I think she can't, even when she's telling her story to Monique, she can't fully accept yeah. that. Or she can't even fully, fully put herself into that yeah. story. Because even though she was there, it was so not from the heart yeah. and so not her yeah. that she doesn't even think about it as her doing it mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense yeah absolutely yeah. but I thought that was very a very interesting stylistic choice it really was yeah well, yeah. you said there were two questions yeah so obviously there's a lot of um there's a lot of sex scenes in this book mm-hmm. there's a lot of sexuality and sensuality mentioned but we don't see she f- she has a child with Harry. Yes. And that scene is mentioned, like, in passing, and we don't see that at all, even though we see in great de- detail some of her yeah. other, like, romantic scenes with people. Why do you think the intimate scenes with Harry were left out in particular? I think because... I'm... Well, first of all, why do you think Evelyn would leave them out, and also why would Taylor Jenkins would... really leave them out? Evelyn would leave them out because... Harry is the one husband that she still has a lot of respect for his memory. I yeah. think other than Celia, he's the only person she really loved. And she didn't mm. love him in a romantic way, but as her dearest they friend. They were clearly like soulmates in some way, yes, if not yeah. romantically. He, was, he yeah. was her best friend. And so I think anything physical that happened between them, I, th- I feel like it would, it would sully the memory for her yeah. of what that relationship was about. And I suspect the author does it for the same reason yeah. that to to not to make that relationship like all the others yeah. and yet it had to have been to some degree if if they had a child together yeah cuz it would have been rife for a scene like Emma who saved my life of two friends trying to have very oh, clinical yes. sex yeah, yeah 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 you'd wonder but it would it would yeah. change the tone of the relationship and of that part of the novel drastically yes, yeah, yeah. cuz you don't want that kind of comically awkward scene yeah. of cuz it could have been anything but other. that right either no. either completely comical or very awkward yes, is all it could yeah, have been yeah. yeah either tragic or comic in a way that is outside the bounds of what we're willing yeah. to accept from this this kind of a book mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, but those are two interesting stylistic choices that she mm-hmm. makes that are, uh, that, that, yeah, kind of bear a little thinking. Yeah, it's interesting, too, with me. So the book that I know Taylor Jenkins read for, even though I haven't read it, uh, she's written several books, but I think of her as the author of Daisy Jones and the Six, mm-hmm. um, which is another fake celebrity memoir told in the style of an oral history. Okay. Uh, and, and it's in the same universe, isn't is it? it? Well, I, I don't know about that. Well, I'm pretty sure that, from what I've heard, all the books, or the recent books that Taylor Jenkins Reid has wrote, include, are all in the same universe, and, like, McReva shows up in the oh, other okay. books so as well. okay, so the fake celebrities of one world are the are, fake celebrities of another. Yes, Because yeah. apparently Daisy Jones and Six, which, again, I haven't read, but a mm-hmm. lot of people have recommended to me, and I may eventually get to it, um, but it did lead me to another book that I will, I will give as a separate recommendation. Um, is uh, much as Evelyn Hugo is not exactly like, but in many ways like Elizabeth Taylor mm-hmm. in our real world, Daisy Jones and the Six, which is about a rock band, um, is a little Fleetwood Mac-ish. Okay, yeah. Like, I think, uh, a rock band that starts with people who are in a couple and goes very... Yeah. Yeah, but I don't really know because I haven't read Daisy Jones and the mm-hmm. Six, but um, it's interesting. This is a book that came out earlier, I think did fairly well, but now this edition of it 
has a little banner on it that says author of Daisy Jones yeah. and the Six. And that book was a so much bigger bestseller mm-hmm. that it's now kind of back-selling this one. Yeah. Which is a nice thing to have happen it's if you nice. can manage it's it nice. as a writer. Mm-hmm. I have a whole I have a whole backlist of books that they could put that one out. But they haven't put that permanent sticker on no, any of your books. No, when I finally have my big bestseller, they can go back and put it on all of them. Um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. it is a very fascinating yeah. read. I, I didn't feel bored by it at no, any point. No, I never felt bored. It doesn't drag. There's always stuff going on. Yeah. They got nice little snippets in there that look like newspaper yes, clippings. Yes, yeah, I love the little fake newspaper clippings, which are yeah. very... Um, feel very true to the time, to yeah. the era of whatever uh, whatever is happening. And also it has, I mean, it certainly doesn't have a totally happy ending, particularly not for, you know, Monique finding out about her father. Yeah. But for, again, a bit spoilery, but Evelyn and Celia do get some happy time together yeah. at the end. They sort of get, get to go into a quiet retirement and enjoy at least some time there yeah. uh, before an, an inevitable tragedy. But then the end. actual end of the novel... Yeah, the, is a little bit darker than that. The actual end of the novel, um, Evelyn dies, right? Yeah, she she kills herself. She does kill herself, but she yeah. she has doesn't she have cancer or something? Or well, yeah, she has cancer, but I think she in in the what this whole novel has been about, which is creating and influencing influencing her own image. She wants to go out on her own terms. Yes, yeah. Like wants to control the narrative literally right up until yes, her own death. Doesn't want to waste away or yeah. anything. So she and Monique figures out that that's what Evelyn is doing. Yes. And then she doesn't try to stop her. Yeah. Is yeah. kind of the, the that's thing that right. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that yeah, that's very much in keeping with yeah. her persona and with her character. Also, isn't the thing that Evelyn has breast cancer? Yes. And I can't remember if she's had a mastectomy by the time Monique meets her or she's going to need a mastectomy eventually. And there's like this line, which I think that is very poignant because like a lot of the novel is about how like her looks is really what got her far and got yes, her her start. Yeah, yeah and she then even it, says she's not that great an actress. So yeah, she's yeah. Beautiful. Um, and uh, but uh, but then there's this very heavy handed line where it's like, oh, her boobs were the thing that got her her career, and now they're gonna be the thing that kills her. Yeah. And I was like, I I got that actually. Yeah. I did figure that out without <laughs> that sentence. You didn't actually need to underline that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not a super subtle book. No. Everything is very laid out for you mm-hmm. um but it's uh yeah it, it certainly was compelling and readable and i absolutely wanted to know about all seven husbands yeah well i guess you can read her other books and you might find out more about those same I characters might, yes yeah. yeah well that is that is a bit of an inspiration to finally get around to reading, reading daisy jones which i mm-hmm. have been meaning to sometime but the other book recommendation i was going to give uh and as always book recommendations will be on the in the show notes um daisy jones and the six which i did not read led me to a book which I loved and which I think you would like too, Mm. which is another uh, fake celebrity um, memoir told in, um, in fact, it's very similar to this one in some ways, in that there's a journalist who's writing a story about these people who turns out to have Mm. a deep connection to them. Uh, It's by Donnie Walton, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev. And it is about this um, 70s pop duo of a white British male pop singer, a little bit Elton John-esque mm-hmm. in some ways, musically, I think, uh, and a black female American singer um, who 
is they they team up as a duo for a few years and then they go their separate ways and have completely different careers and then they are coming together for a big concert a big mm-hmm. reunion concert and this girl is writing a story about it um, and it's got really interesting stuff about music and racism and sexism and just really really interesting yeah, book yeah. and again very much in the vein of this one in Daisy Jones it's this you know fake celebrity memoir thing yeah. which is uh, which so I would highly recommend mm-hmm. that see one. celebrity memoirs have become so big now fake celebrity memoirs is a whole genre that's right yeah and yeah. I often I don't enjoy real celebrity memoirs no. there's some I've enjoyed but only if the celebrities are very um, either either really good writers or having exceptionally good ghostwriters yeah uh, but uh, yeah the fake celebrity memoirs I think I enjoy even more and this yeah. was a great entry in that category mm-hmm. so should we turn to talking about the book with a similar name but absolutely nothing else in common absolutely the invisible life of Addie LaRue yes so this one um, I picked up just because I had seen it in bookstores. I hadn't read anything by V.E. Schwab, although I knew people who had and who had recommended it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked it up and it just, again, I had this interest in this sub-sub-genre of people who live multiple lives or live their lives over and over. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that this is sort of in that genre. Yeah. So um, yeah. I definitely liked it. I don't think I loved it. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like Fantasy is kind of a, like, I guess this is fancy or magical realism, yeah, kind yeah. of. Um, it's just a little bit hit or miss for me as a whole novel. I yeah. find I like magical realism and kind of experimental stuff like that better in a short story format. Uh-huh. And I definitely found at times I thought this book was a bit longer than it needed to be and kind of dragged in some places. Uh-huh. And a lot of, to me, the flashbacks kind of got repetitive and didn't mm. it kind of didn't move as fast as I wanted it to yeah like we get a lot of flashbacks in Evelyn Hugo but like we skip a few decades we skip a it few years quickly, we hit the highlights yes. yeah. and while I feel like this was trying to do hit the highlights as well yeah it didn't feel like it moved at the right pace and mm. I felt like it, it yeah it dragged a bit for me so again it's been a few months since we both read this one so let's yes. attempt okay. to recap the plot so it's you start by meeting this girl who is in New York, I mm-hmm. believe, and there's something different about her. She's not like other girls <laughs> in that she's immortal. Um, and yeah, she like made this deal with the devil, some kind of evil spirit god back in like the 1600s in mm-hmm. France, um, and she's cursed with immortality, but she's making it work for her. <laughs> she makes immortality work for her. Um and then, oh, but the thing is that no one can remember her. Yes. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. So yeah. When, she's a, when she's a girl in France, she's living a very sort of 17th century French peasant very girl life. Very French. Not good. She's going to be married off to someone she doesn't want to be married to or something. Her family's poor. Bad yeah. stuff's happening. And she asks for... Uh, she she yeah total she freedom this, is yeah. what she asks yeah. for. And, and, and yeah, she wants, yeah, she wants to be completely free. Yeah. And she gets it. But she gets it by getting this bizarre uh, blessing slash curse that everybody who meets her and talks to her forgets her immediately afterwards. Which is basically how you live with other people. <laughs> is if, if somebody turns around, puts their hair up, different person entirely. I have, I'm, I'm mildly face blind, <laughs> but I can sustain long-term relationships with people. I just sometimes don't recognize my own daughter when she's coming out of a shop from Drug Mart. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, th- this is a much more extreme form of that. And the problem is not, unlike face blindness, with the person who's seeing, it's with the person they're seeing. Because yeah. Addie LaRue leaves, she can interact with people, she can talk, she can have sex with people, and mm. does, but 
the, the next time they see her, they will not remember ever having met her. So yeah. she leaves no impression. But then she meets a guy who can remember her, and it turns out, spoilers, 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 he's made a deal with this same devil, and there's their deals kind of by wording and by, like, the fine print and these loopholes cancel each other out yes. in that he can remember her. Yeah. Because he, because what was his deal? I can't okay. remember. Okay, so Henry's whole thing was that... <laughs> this is a big spoiler, but okay. His biggest spoiler... Henry's whole thing was that he made a deal that he always felt like he wasn't good enough for everyone. Like, he was kind of a failure. He didn't, like, he dropped out of school or he didn't go on to, like, his master's mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and he wanted to be good enough for everyone. He wanted to, when people looked at him, he wanted to be exactly what they needed in that right. moment. Right, yes. Which, yeah. um, but he, him, his deal, he made for only a year, I yes, think it was, yeah. and then his soul was going to be collected or something. Something like that, Which yeah. basically means that what Addie needs is someone who can remember her. Yes. So when they meet, that's what he is for her. That's right. I had forgotten yeah. that that was the twist. I couldn't remember what was the reason, because almost a year since I read this now, Yes. why he could remember And her. I find, even though, maybe I was just not paying attention enough, but I was kind of confused a bit too. Like, I feel like the reveal of Henry's thing was a little bit clunky, and I felt like we could have, that could have been backed a little more earlier mm-hmm. in the novel, yeah. you know? I don't know. That's just, be. that's just me. I have a, my main gripe with this is kind of the pacing and the speed at which things unfold. Uh-huh. I like the actual events of the novel and I like the actual plot, but the way things were kind of doled out and when, that's what I had issue with from a reader's experience yeah. kind of a thing. Um, it's worth noting that the two things we've talked about, the beginning with, with her making the deal with the devil yeah. uh, and and her meeting up with, with Henry, who can remember her, are about 400 years apart, yes, right? Yes, Because Henry is in modern times, pretty yes. much. She's, yeah, 2014. Yes. she's in. A, he owns a bookstore or he works in a bookstore? He works in a bookstore. And she's in the bookstore and then she comes back the next day and doesn't expect him to remember her, but yeah. he does. And that's yeah. the, But before that, there has been... Three to four hundred years of Addie just bouncing around yeah. the world. And that's like such a cool premise. Yes. And you get this sense when, when we first meet her that like she's been to all these different places. She knows a little bit of Greek. She knows a bit of Latin. Like, yes. like she seems like so worldly and so traveled. But 90% of the flashbacks we get, she's still in France. Yes. For like yeah. 80, we get like 80 years of her being in like around revolutionary France. Yeah. And I just got sick of it because I was like, she's clearly done so much cool shit. Yeah. Show it to me. Like, exactly, don't, don't yeah. just tell me that she's had all these cool experiences. Don't just mention it in passing. If you're going to do flashbacks, show me some of the cool shit. Yes, and yeah. part of the, the, the whole thing with the novel is that it's about her relationship with this deity that she makes a yeah. deal with and kind of how their personal relationship develops. And I felt like even that... That could have been spaced out over more years. Like, instead of yes. it happening, like, one year after another, mm-hmm. like, make it a bit longer, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, I think you're right. The pacing, even though, like, I devoured this book. I read it really, really quickly. I yeah. was totally into it when I was reading it. But looking back on it, I agree. The pacing is, is yeah. a little weird. And it spends a lot of time on her early years and then a lot of time on her relationship with Henry, which, of course, yeah. is the you know, sort of the inciting incident that makes yeah. something happen in the novel. But yeah, the flashbacks keep kind of going back to that same well of how does she survive in France? Which is definitely interesting the first couple of times, but mm-hmm. then I'm like, I know there's more interesting things that we could see. Yeah. And these lessons could be learned in different places, a jumped ahead in time a little bit. And then there's a whole thing where she, like, has a relationship with this 
god, this mm-hmm. Satan, I don't know what he actually and is. And he's called Luke. Isn't he's he? called Luke. like a Lucifer. Yeah, kind of, Lucifer yeah. kind of implication. She has this whole, like, actual relationship with him, but then it's like, he was just lying to her to get her to give him his soul, her soul. Yeah. Um, and she gets really mad, but like, and then she, like, doesn't see him for a few years. Mm-hmm. But, like, that happened in the, in the, like, in the book. That happened, like, 30 or 40 years ago. Or yes, something like yeah. that. Like, I think that could have been right before the novel starts. And we see her, like, coming back from New Orleans. And it's never explained why she was there or why she left. Yeah. And yeah. that, like, you know what I mean? It's just the timeline of her and Luke's relationship and her figuring out her life as an immortal could have been stretched out to give us a bit more depth and variation in her past, which we know happens. It's yes. just not shown yeah. to us. Yeah. I had two big pet peeves with this, but one big, one tiny. Okay. Big one is to do with her relationship with Luke. Yeah. It is to me, and I know like this is a whole thing in literature and, and culture, and whatever. I really dislike sexy devil characters. <laughs> yeah. Like you really felt at the end, and she does strike some kind of compromise that allows Henry to not have to give yeah. up his life, but they can't be together because now, yeah. you know, he's... But he does He does have, like, a faint memory of her, sort yeah. of. Her. Yeah, he, like... Oh, 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 oh he writes the book! Oh, he, he writes, writes the book! book. <laughs> Henry's a writer, because he works in a bookshop, so he has to... Where writers <laughs> always end up yeah. working. Um, and that's the thing, is that he writes this fictional book... Right. ...with right, her right. name on it called The Invisible... Right. It's one of... The book you're reading is the book that got wrote at the end. That's right, It's one yes. of those. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. She goes into a... Does she go into a bookstore and see The Invisible yes. Life of Adam? Yeah, and, and it even... She I does think that it, within the pages of this yeah, book, Yeah, so. I think it even gives the first couple of... of I don't know, whatever... Yeah. Um, but it yeah. is, yeah, a book within yeah. a book, and the I, book within I, a book is. This I do book. sometimes have problems with book within a book where it's not immediately obvious is this the literal book? Yeah. Or does this have the same name as the book that gets I, written in the book I and think they're two different books? This has the same name as, as yes. the book because there's, there's a lot of internal stuff to her that yes. he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. Because he could have made it up and just been very accurate. Yeah. But yes, you're right. I completely forgot. I knew he he did something with There the was some reason her. for him to be there. <laughs> well, I knew there was something that made it like he did kind of remember her in some way, but yes. I did completely forget that he wrote the book. He wrote yes, the book. yeah. yeah. Uh, but she goes off with Luke. Mm-hmm. And I am just so over women falling in love with the devil. But but but, but I'm going to challenge you on that. Okay, challenge because me on that. Because I don't think she she doesn't go with him cuz she's in love with him. No. She goes with him because the deal that they make is you can have my soul and I'll kind of be with you as almost like an equal kind of deity kind of thing, spirit, whatever. But then it's as long as you want me. So her thing is like, I'm going to wear him down eventually and I'm going to get my freedom back. I'm doing this now so that Henry can live, but I will eventually wear Luke down to the point that he's going to let me go of his own free will and then I'll continue living my life. Yeah. That's like the note that but it ends I, on. I still feel like there's the, the writer really wants us to feel that there's a strong sexual attraction between her and there Luke. There definitely and is, maybe... but like Addie even says like she doesn't want to be with no. Luke forever. Yeah. So, you know. Do you think Addie's happy ending, if there was one, would be to get free from Luke and to go on living as she has been doing or would it be to be able to just l- come to the end of a normal human life and die normally? I think I, I think it is, again, kind of the same thing as Evelyn Hugo, so there are some similar themes, is that she wants it to be on her own terms. Mm. But I think she definitely is 
in a way, tired of the people always forgetting her thing. Yeah. And, you know, her being with Henry gives her that brief um, break from that, but then his friends never remember, remember her, which, by the way, I loved every time that, that happened for some reason. I thought it was very funny and well-written. Yes, it's like yeah. the toll that it takes on both her and Henry to introduce her to his friends over every and over again. Every single time, yeah. Yeah, um, but, uh, like, I think she realizes that that's not feasible for her. So I, I think it's just that she doesn't want to give her soul to Luke because mm-hmm. then he would have won, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And I, it is really about her ending things on her own terms, mm-hmm. I think, is is yeah. is her vibe. I think, I think the reason I'm so fascinated with these stories of repeated lives or people who live multiple lives or people who are immortal or whatever is that they, the good ones anyway all circle around this question of what's the actual value of a human life. Yeah. And if you're like Addie and you can live forever and ever, but you can never establish a lasting or permanent relationship. And you can also never leave anything behind because she anything she writes down disappears. That's right. She can't yes. she can't make anything herself. She can't not only can she not leave an impression on people, she can't leave an impression on the world. That's at right. All. And that's why it's this more of this is coming back to me now. That's why it's so valuable to her that Henry does write down yes, her story. Yes, she would never have been able to do it, do it herself. herself. The t- so the big quibble, quibble was the sexual attraction between her, her and Luke, but that's just about me and being tired of sexy devils. Yeah. Literal. But the tiny quibble is, many, many times throughout the novel, she spends the night with a man. Yeah. And in the morning when he goes a separate way, you know, the, the, it's over because when he comes yeah. home he won't recognize her. Or she spends an evening with someone and has a lovely time with yeah. people, but then they don't remember the next day. During that time, mm-hmm. do none of these people ever go to the bathroom? I think she... I, I feel like it is mentioned a couple times that, like, like someone would just, like, turn away. And she'd be like, no, 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 no. And yeah. then, yeah, I guess the date is just over. Yeah, I if guess they so. they go to the bathroom, yeah. But like, if she spent the night with guys multiple times... Yeah. Sooner or later, there's going to have to be a scene where somebody gets up and has a pee and comes back like who the heck are you well, in my but bed? she has that in the morning too when yes, people come back and they don't remember her so i yeah. guess it would be the same thing like if this person assumes they've been out drinking they pick someone up at the bar and they come back to bed they're like i don't remember i this, don't know who you are just kind of got to roll with it yeah. for uh yeah. to save face yeah. i guess what i really liked with this book was that that what i took away from it is that the value of life is being able to make connections with other people and to leave a record behind, yeah. you know, of who yeah. you were and what you did. But also, you can't do that. But also, Addie does get a lot out of just learning things and knowing things yes, herself. Yeah. Like, that's not nothing to her, right? No. It's just a little bit less valuable if she can't do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, there's no permanence to what she learns. I felt like, yeah, there were missed opportunities for, like, she was around for a lot of the French Revolution, and we yeah. didn't get a lot of that. But, yeah, she could have been, like, you know, immortal Forrest Gump. She could have yeah. been there at all, all like, kinds Like, there were so of... many cool, like, and it's mentioned in passing, like, oh, did you know so-and-so? And she goes, yes, I did. And I go, why didn't you show us why that? Why didn't you tell us that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's there were definitely some missed opportunities in her past life there, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue mm-hmm. and The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo mm-hmm. or The Seven Invisible yeah. Husbands of... Yeah. yeah, both about women who want things on their own terms and especially want, more than anything, to leave the right impression on the yes. world. Yes, yeah, I think that yeah. is that is kind of the common thread that unites them is that wanting to leave an impression, yeah. which Addie literally can't do. Yeah, and Evelyn's- Evelyn... Seems that's all she could do, really. Yeah, she's really spent her whole life creating what the impression that she's going to leave Mm -hmm. and 
controlling down to the very end, not yeah. only what her story is, but even yeah. who gets to And who knows, it. maybe if you can make an impression, if you get too focused on making an impression, you end up like Evelyn with a life full of, like, shit you didn't feel good about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that that is a really, besides the echoing titles, that is a very interesting correspondence between the two. Yeah. Um, and in terms of other books that this that that we recommended or this made us think of, mm-hmm. or that will, uh, your your recommendation for an actual rom com was um, Red White and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Yeah. Casey McQuiston, um, and I said Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo led me by a very roundabout route to um, the final revival of Opal Opal mm-hmm. and Nev. Uh, another fake celebrity memoir, and also in that whole sub 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 genre of people who live multiple lives or come back again and again. The the one that to me is the ultimate of that, which I would recommend to you and to the listeners and to everyone, is Life After Life by Kate Atkinson, which is to me just the most amazing story about a woman who keeps living her life mm-hmm. over and over again and trying to correct mistakes. And if you kind of want a YA version of the weird life where nobody can remember you every day by david levithan oh every day by david levithan yes yeah. it's an excellent example don't read the sequel too. but the first one's the first grand. one's great yeah. yes yeah it's part of a trilogy by now i think it's now a trilogy isn't it but the yeah. first one you only is, need the first one is the iconic book and yes a in in every day is actually in many ways very like yeah. abby larue in, in the that inability to uh to leave a mark on people's lives yeah. so mm-hmm. All right, so those are some more book recommendations. Thank you so much for book swapping with me, Emma. Thank you for having me. Book swap! Book swap! I forgot to say it at the beginning. Okay. That wraps up my book swap conversation with Emma about the invisible life of Addie LaRue and the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And, of course, as I said, we talked about a bunch of other books and made some other recommendations. If you go to my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, and click on the Shelf Esteem podcast link, you can find links to the show notes for not only this, but every one of the shows where I talk about uh, the books we discussed and other recommendations and things that came up. And I hope you read these two books, and despite the spoilers, that you, uh, you enjoy them as much as we did. I will be back next month, uh, hopefully with a guest. I have someone in mind, and I hope everything all works out. And then at the end of the year in December, I'm going to be doing a something kind of special for a year-end podcast special. So please follow Shelf Esteem wherever you get your podcasts. And until we're back together again, read a good book and build your shelf esteem.